Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports Staff. I'm Nadia the Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose by a score of 104 to 101 on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. You got to give the Raptors some credit here. Um, you know, don't think a lot of people gave them a chance going into Philly, second night of a back to back, having lost in that dispiriting fashion. To Golden State uh, against a Sixers team that's playing better of late. You know, they're healthy outside of Maxi, which is not insignificant against the Raptors, but uh, this will be the one time I'm going to talk about the Sixers without talking about Maxi all the time. But, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people give the Raptors a big chance here. And, you know, forcing overtime, uh, playing it really tough, having a lot of good opportunities in overtime to take the lead. Um, you know, all that was pretty good like I think that we're so bogged down in the losing that it's all starting to bl- blend together right where we're starting to just really lament over everything because nothing is necessarily going the Raptors way in terms of getting back in the win column so I'm going to try to at least separate that because look we can always talk about the negativity or just like wallow in that but to be honest it doesn't feel as productive to me I think there were good signs in tonight's game that if the Raptors were able to replicate this, and I'm not saying that they will replicate this, and that means that they'll do better next time, but there are important lessons to be taken out of this game where if they just continue this and keep pushing, they can get it back into the win column. Because I, I liked a lot of the stuff that they did tonight. So let's start off with the fact that the Raptors were just super scrappy defensively. Like, I really, really enjoyed watching the Raptors compete in this one. Um, it was always going to be a challenge, right? Um you know, you're going to play Joel Embiid. You're going to play uh, James Harden. Like, this is just a really tough matchup, especially Embiid, right? So, you look at your lineup. Well, who do you have to guard Embiid? Nobody, right? Literally nobody on the, on the lineup can really consistently guard Embiid. So, what are you supposed to do with that? And, um, you know, for Nick, th- this is always where it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge to innovate, right? And... So in this game, he started off with Scotty on Embiid. I think the idea was that they want to neutralize the uh, Harden and Embiid pick and roll, so that uh, you know you have OG on Harden, you have Scotty on Embiid, and then well, obviously when they screen for each other, they have to they could just switch right now. Of course, they could still play more one on one and get Embiid in the post, but at that point, the Raptors can send help and rotate. You know, it's it's a little bit easier than sort of that moving parts kind of play when you're talking about a pick and roll action. Um, so that was the original plan. However, that kind of got scrapped really quickly on when Scotty picked up two quick fouls trying to guard MB, just trying to deny him position. Because the big thing is, look, we've watched the Raptors play the Sixers like a million times recently. So you know exactly what the deal is. Like that first guy who's guarding Embiid has to body up, press up, and take the hits because the hits are coming. You got to take the hits and you got to keep them in front of you for like one or two seconds before one of your teammates can come over and help you and force MB to start playing sideways rather than bully ball. So, you know, early on, Scotty took two fouls, trying to bump, you know, MB, took him out of the game. So it was like, okay, that wasn't working. So what's the Raptors' next plan, right? And, you know, eventually they cycled through a couple of them. You know, they, they put Kem out there for extended stretches. I liked what Kem did in his matchup against MB, fought him really hard. Uh, obviously, you're never going to look at Kem's box score for for too much, but I thought the Raptors actually did a really good job of, um, you know, just 
having Kem front and bead, which takes a lot of physicality because you got to hold a bigger guy off behind you. Uh, and then, of course, Embiid's going to try a couple of swim moves and try to get in front and use his arms and all that stuff. I thought Kem did a really great job of battling that. I thought Thad Young did a really good job of battling that. You saw possessions where Wancho was on him or Pascal was on him or OG was on him. It's this real team effort, you know, and, and that's what it takes. That's really what it takes against him. You know, you do know that if you fight him for long enough, um, you know, he, he will start to miss some shots. And when you looked at overall, 6-16 to 16 from the field, it wasn't like Embiid was living at the basket. He didn't get an offensive rebound. He got to the free throw line a ton because, you know, he just does that. But ultimately, I thought the Raptors kept Embiid to a relatively manageable problem, right? Now, that part was good. Even the Harden defense, I thought, was decent. Harden wasn't really looking to attack that much. You can live with the fact that he had 14 points, 8 assists, and 5 turnovers on 5 of 14 shooting, wasn't able to get into a step-back package, wasn't really able to get downhill and score too often at the rim. I thought he did a good job of getting out in transition a couple times, which is nice, uh, just in terms of him getting easier baskets. But ultimately, in a half-court setting, you weren't actually as hurt by Embiid and Harden because of the fact that the Raptors are super scrappy. And, I'm, and look, listen, you can run these schemes, right? It's not that simple. It's not like you you type in these inputs into like an Excel spreadsheet and then you click enter and you get the the end result each and every single time. The variable here is effort and how hard you play some of these schemes. The Raptors guarded tonight way, way, way more effort, way more focus than they did against Golden State. Like Golden State, they were unfocused, like simple things like miscommunication and they just weren't, you know, doing a good job at all, right? So they were putting up no resistance and the Warriors literally walked into open layups and open threes. Today, everything for the Sixers was hard. Every single thing for the Sixers was hard. And the Raptors made it hard by making all these extra scrambling rotations, getting out to guys, obviously a lot of doubling, then having to rotate, then having to help the helper, then having to fly out at shooters, then having to, you know, battle and be down low for rebounds and and then trying to push the other way. Like, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. But listen, that was a lot closer to what you would expect to see from Raptors basketball and the style in which that they really pride themselves on than a lot of the other recent games. Even the close games that they lost against Sacramento or against Brooklyn, those games to me felt a lot like, wow, the Raptors are in this game offensively. But you know that the Raptors' offense, even no matter how good they're doing offensively, is going to curtail. It's it's going to drop off at some point. It's just not that special. What the Raptors can be special at is defense. And so when the Raptors are in a closer game, because of their defense, I actually feel a lot better about that. Now, ultimately, they lose this game here anyway. But, you know, there's a couple of things that really sort of stood out. I mean, first off, Pascal Siakam was awesome in this game. Awesome. Like, he literally, I don't think he sat for more than a minute in the second half in overtime. He ends the game playing 48 minutes, has 38 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, hit three threes, got to the free throw line 11 times. I mean, he was just going at the Sixers non-stop like it, it, it was really impressive and the Sixers you know they don't necessarily have that natural wing defender uh but yeah PJ Tucker is 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 that guy right and PJ Tucker is gonna get up into you press up into you take away your space you know do a little jazz hands in your face like there, there's a lot of that going on right and, and, and then of course you have uh, Embiid who's ready to help and come over at the basket uh and, and goaltend the shot afterwards but like still that is not an easy two like players to get past to try to score at the rim but Pascal really took it upon himself and it wasn't deterred was going after these guys over and over again at one point 
after like a jump ball or something, Pascal and, uh, you know, PJ, I think they might have got slapped with double techs or maybe double fouls for just like jawing at each other. But I love seeing that. I love seeing that sort of like um, intensity from Pascal because, look, that's what the leader needs to do, right? Like you need to show that you're not afraid of this matchup. It doesn't matter that circumstances are against you. It doesn't matter that you're on a five game losing streak that's now turned to six. It's not it doesn't matter that, you know, you're shorthanded every single game. You know, it doesn't matter that the Sixers, you know, are, are waiting for you at home and, and they got the rest advantage and, and they're they're healthier. It, it doesn't matter that they have more talent, strictly speaking, on their roster than yours. Go in there and, and fight, right? And, and I think that that really was the main reason why the Raptors were competitive was because of how hard Pascal was playing. There were plays in the, in the especially in the third quarter onward, like it, it was just hero stuff from Pascal. Like, you know, he would pull up with, uh, you know, off, of, uh, off a screen for three, right? Stuff like that where you know that's not necessarily the shot that he always likes to get to, but that's the shot that's available to him. No fear. Take that shot. Make the shot, right? You know, you have Siakam ripping down the rebound, pushing in transition. Uh, P.J. Tucker's backing up the whole way. Uh, pull up from the mid-range jumper, right? Uh, and then you got Pascal attacking P.J. and one. He, You know, Pascal steals the ball, pushes the break to Scotty Barnes, reverses the ball to Fred for three. You know, and and they're starting to make this comeback, right? Because the Raptors actually played decently in the first half, except for the fact that the Raptors had a lull to the start of the second quarter. I'll get to that in a second, but first on Pascal, because he made so many plays. All right, Pascal comes out of the game after, like, a, a hard push there in the third quarter for about a minute, and and, and then Pascal... And, and then, Nick had an opportunity to, to, to uh, drop a play with seven seconds left, and the play was to sub Pascal back into the game. He literally sat for one minute, put him back into the game, and he knocked in uh, a three over over uh, over Daniel House, uh, you know, right at the end of the third quarter there to beat the buzzer. That's an 11-0 run that got the Raptors back into the game. Then the fourth quarter, Pascal plays the entire way. He doesn't come out the game after that. You know, starts off, draws two fouls in the same possession, uh, both on Montrez Harrell to go to the free throw line. The Raptors actually take the lead for the first time with that this to start of the fourth quarter. Then Pascal's doubled in the post. He finds Thad open for three. You know, unfortunately, he misses, uh, but Malachi gets the rebound. <laughs> but, uh, you know, still a really good play for, for Pascal. Then Pascal draws another foul, right? He, he, the Sixers are trapping him at this point. Pascal uses his handle, gets out of the trap, draws another foul, right? Then Pascal, hard drive. Uh, kick out, you know, against a double team, kicks it to Malachi, swings it into the corner for Wancho for three. So that's not even an assist for Pascal, but he creates the whole play by drawing the double, making the right pass, then the extra pass for the three. You know, then you got Pascal drawing the fourth foul on the of the quarter on the Sixers. Uh, this time, uh, you know, attacking Harden. Harden puts two hands on him, tries to sort of grab him, and Pascal is able to, uh, you know, draw the fourth foul there. Uh, then Pas- Pascal with a crossover, uh, push in transition. He's fouled. He splits the free throws. This is late in the game. You know, then Pascal, uh, you know, rips down the rebound. Uh, this is the Raptors down two. Uh, and instead of the Raptors calling timeout, Pascal makes a hard push in transition, uh, beats PJ Tucker down the floor, and then stretches around for this, like, very, very impressive scoop layup. Because he actually, like, picked up his dribble, I think, at the three point line. Took two steps, had to get around PJ with one of those steps. So you kind of had to like turn. And then, so he was essentially shooting a, a, a finger roll from like outside of the paint uh, along the baseline f- at full speed, fading away after playing like 43 minutes at that point. And he's able to scoop it off the glass for, to, to force the tie. And then on top of that, 
This guy is switched on to Joel Embiid with five seconds left, forces him to catch it, you know, at the 35-foot mark, uh, makes him back up with a reach, and then contests his, uh, you know, foot on the line three, uh, which was well short. And so, literally, he's doing everything for you, and that's the amount of work that uh, he was doing for you. But, you know, uh, that's, again, though, that, it doesn't really matter the circumstances. Like, Pascal's just going to continue to fight. Like, I'm sure when he goes to the, the podium tonight... And whenever he speaks, he'll probably say some version of, look, this is just what it is. You know, I'm a hooper and and, and he's just going to continue to take this approach. I love it. I'd really love it because a lot of players in his circumstance would start to, to pout or start to uh, look the other way or disengage or just to throw his hands up and say, well, this I guess there's no chance for my team anymore. You never see that out of Pascal. This is a, this is a great performance from him. And I know he didn't get the win. I know he missed a three at the end there doesn't matter to me man he played his heart out like it's 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 a warrior-esque performance from p and it's it's the main reason why you don't want to actually see a rebuild like the whole point of like doing all the tanking on that stuff is to get a player of that level uh or you know maybe not even just ready made at that level but a player that you develop into that level where you can see how hard he works for the team how hard he works as a leader um you know you just want to actually see (laughs) that as the end result of tanking and so that's why i don't actually want to see pascal moved for that i want to see the raptors continue to put pieces around this guy because to me this is the hardest part of being you know a gm in the in in the nba is finding talents like pascal now that you have him, how do you build around him, right and to be honest the supporting cast around pascal just wasn't good enough tonight um you know you might say they weren't not good enough in general but to be honest like I don't know who was helping him tonight. <laughs> you know, I hate to be that guy. That's all that's, you know, you see these online discourses about, um, you know, this guy got no help and, you know, and, and they're sort of like talking down on the rest of the team. Like, I don't really want to do that. Like I, I respect the guys on the, the roster. However, I, I think, you know, for Pascal, like who was supposed to be his running mate tonight. Right. And it's the same issue that we've seen over the course of the season. Right. Who is supposed to be that number two, right. It's supposed to be either Scotty or Fred. Right. And, and of course, it was Fred last year, but he's sort of like fallen off a level. And obviously, he's been really inconsistent since today. Another really poor performance from Fred, including two just wide open threes in the fourth quarter. He had a lot of wide open threes, actually. He only shot two of 11, but he had a lot of wide open threes. But especially in the fourth quarter, there wide open threes are in overtime. And he just couldn't knock those down. And it was just heartbreaking because that's you can't ask for better shots than some of those that he was getting. Um but Fred hasn't been able to make those plays, and, and, you know, it's pretty clear that he's not that guy. And then the other guy that's supposed to have that chance is Scotty Barnes, who you just never know what he's going to do from game to game, right? It could be a takeover 19-point performance against, you know, Brooklyn, where even Pascal's like, you know what? I'm going to step aside. I'll wait in the corner. You got this. Keep going, right? And then you have this, 29 minutes six points just kind of disengaged yelling at the ref because he got hit in the face i mean you know you got to continue to focus it's like sure, i'm sure it sucks to get hit in the face but you just got to continue to focus and, and you, you give up attack in that moment too like i mean i'm not saying that's why the raptors lost at all that'd be ridiculous but you know it's important right every point matters especially in the fourth quarter when you know you're looking at a situation where it's coming down to literally overtime so he gives you six points you know just disengaged wasn't really impacting the game I, I thought um second half was much better than the first half but still like uh you just need to see more from both Scotty or Fred because one of those guys have to be your number two Pascal gave you 38 
And the next closest scores were Chris Boucher and OG at 13. OG, I know, be fresh off of injury, knocks in three threes for you. Unfortunately, he missed one in overtime as well, and he, he missed two free throws at one point. But you could tell he's rusty because, you know, he's always been rusty. He's just coming off of injury. And also, he played 39 minutes right off of injury. So, you know, that's... You can... Like, it wasn't like OG lost him, the Raptors, the game. And and Chris Boucher giving you 13 points, that's already fantastic. He played awesome. You know, he's going to get the second star tonight. He was a really great running mate with Pascal. But ultimately, who was there to support him? You need one of those two guys to step up for you. And and that's the whole story of the season. The, the whole story of the season, if you really want to break it down, is the Raptors have not held a second guy there consistently for Pascal. Right now, they have tons of other issues. We can go through them. Their defense is inconsistent. Tonight, we see the best of what their defense can do. Even in tough circumstances, they still fought like hell. Uh, and their defense gave them a chance to win the game, along with Pascal. This just the rest of them just couldn't take their chances. Um, but the main thing to me is who's going to be the number two behind Pascal, and I don't see it. Right? Like, look at look at the Sixers. They got you know Embiid's got a James Harden to fall back on. Right? He's they've got reliable role players to fall back on. P.J. Tucker, no matter what, even if he's going to be like complete bricks from the field, he's still going to compete. He's going to scrap. And ultimately, like, yeah, he's going to make Pascal work. He's going to make the opposing players work. And at the end of the game, he made him work really hard. And he ended up taking a really, really contested three, which didn't go in, right? So ultimately, I think P.J. Tucker did his job tonight, even though he didn't score a lot, right? Tobias Harris, ultra efficient. 24 points, 8 of 10 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3. You know, like, pretty damn good right like the Raptors don't kind of don't have these kind of options available to them at the moment which is which is tough and and you might even say across the board like the Raptors actually have comparable talent might even be better talent but to be honest like it it's not working alongside of what Pascal is doing and that's where tonight's game hurt because look if some of those supporting guys just made couple more shots if Fred Van Vliet didn't miss two wide open threes in overtime if OG didn't miss an open three in overtime you know if you know there's a lot of ifs right but um their defense gave them a chance Pascal gave them a chance to be honest like for me looking at this game I I thought one of the disappointing stretches was the start of the second quarter right the Raptors actually fought really hard had a 23 to 22 lead after the first right Pascal and Fred played the whole time they were sort of like you know just those two guys with the two-man action was 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 doing enough right um once those guys went to the bench together it it became a real struggle because it was like an OG Scotty led lineup um I, I just didn't think that uh I just didn't think that first off, OG, you know, had a good rhythm to his game, uh, was clearly out of, you know, just, just in a, in a bit of a funk, was kind of like just looking to feel out how he was going to play. Uh, so he took like an off rhythm jumper, he missed it. Then the, you know, Sixers broke the other way. Harrell ends up posting OG pretty deep. And as good of a defender as OG is, if you have a bigger player sealing you super deep in the paint, that's a mismatch. That's a mismatch. And Harrell's able to score at the rim, right? Um, but you just you just had like a sequence of bad plays. You know, Malachi was out there. He fouls Georges Niang on a drive. Then uh, Daniel House drives, and Malachi gives us an and one. And it's like at this point, Embiid was sitting. Um, Harden was out there, but he wasn't actually doing much of the scoring. Um, but like, you know, the Raptors just weren't like together enough on either ends of the floor, right? They didn't really have a, a creator, an initiator. Scotty wasn't doing it. OG wasn't doing it. Malachi wasn't doing it. But the thing with defensively, that, that was what was concerning to me because like you had at the, the first possession of the second quarter after Raptors played so hard defensively in the first quarter, 
The first possession, you have uh, Boucher losing Matisse Thybul in rotation. And yeah, Matisse is not a great three-point shooter, but you can't leave an NBA player wide open at the top. Like it's just, it's just a bad play, right? It's just like you got to stick with them. And so Tybal knocks down a three. Then the next trip down, uh, Scotty's late to to pick up Daniel House. And Daniel House knocks down a three. And again, it's not like Daniel House is some sort of elite knockdown three point shooter, but you can't leave these guys wide open. Just find your assignments, right? You know that 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 that's a tough one. So um, ultimately, the Raptors had to um, to sort of rally there. But you know, I, I actually thought the Raptors veteran groups actually did decently for them tonight. Second out of a back to back. Um, Nick leaned heavily on guys like, you know, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Kem Birch. He started Kem in the second half, another classic. Let's flip the starting lineup around because Wancho got the original start. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Kem did well. Again, I, I liked his physicality against Embiid. I mean, to be honest, like, it, it, there's not too much else that you really expect from him, but a couple screen assists, a couple rebounds, some physicality, use your fouls here or there. Had no issues with what Kem Birch did tonight. Uh, I loved Chris Boucher's effort tonight. I really, really loved it. There were so many plays. Because, like, at the start of the game, he was, you know, his game is, it comes and goes, right? Like, there are real, like, stretches where he's super impactful and you notice him and he's kind of everywhere. And then there's plays where he's sort of, like, not really involved and then kind of takes a shot out of rhythm here or there and and then ends up losing the, you know, or chasing a possession here or there and ends up taking a foul. You know, like, we've seen it. Like, we we, don't have to describe to you the, the ups and downs of Chris Tonight, I thought was 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 most of the ups, right? I, I thought um, in, in the third quarter in particular, you know, Chris Boucher was the second guy along with Pascal. Now, I'm not saying that Chris was like initiating plays and sort of like, you know, being Jalen Brown to, to Pascal's Tatum, but it, it was like the, the, the kind of hustle plays that you really do need to see from Chris on a consistent basis. Raptors are down five. They're chasing the, 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 the lead or they're chasing the deficit. And, um, you know, Boucher is able to make a hard push in transition off a rebound and then uh, dumps it off to Pascal. Caught the whole defense by surprise because, you know, the scouting report does say that Chris Boucher doesn't pass. And so it was a really nice play by Chris to to push the break. They take the initiative to do so and to find Pascal for an easy layup. The only time I think Pascal had an easy shot was because of that. You know, Pascal then knocked down a three because uh, Embiid was lazy and didn't step out to the three-point line. So that actually tied the game. Uh, then Pascal fought through a moving screen <laughs> uh, with MB setting. And so that actually forces that turnover, which is awesome. But then Chris, with a little push shot in the lane, uh, this is against the Sixers zone. Chris Boucher made sure to get into the middle of the zone, caught the pass, put the floater up, was able to score it. Um, then on the next trip down, Georges Niang tries to drive through Chris. Chris sticks with him the whole way, contests the shot, makes it really difficult. Niang is slow and groundbound. And he wasn't able to shoot over the top of Boucher's length, which was longer than his. Uh, and then ultimately, Niang gets upset. He, you know, complains to the to the official. He gets a text. So I'm giving that another point to Chris because he was the one who caused all that. Um, and then, yeah, Chris can just continue to, like, build on those energy plays. Small stuff like he switched out on and guarding James Harden. And James Harden, like, pushes off. And, and Boucher is sticking with him. And you know, the ref actually makes the, the right call there and, and called Harden for the push-off. You know, great play there by Chris Boucher. Then Chris Boucher randomly, I would say this is a bit more out of rhythm, but I think in the context of the game, he was playing so well, making so many nice little plays here and there that he took a sidestep three and knocked it down. That was huge. That gave the Raptors the lead in the fourth quarter there. Um, then Chris Boucher with another play where he drove hard, uh, attacked a closeout, and, you know, again, got the defense to step up to him. 
uh, because they don't believe he'll ever pass. And then instead, he dumped it off to Thad Young, who was able to score on a layup. You know, that was a beautiful play. That also, by the way, started with Pascal, who drove hard, collapsed the paint, kicked out, rotate. You know, Boucher's there attacking a closing defender, goes into the paint, and then finds Thad Young. Like, just beautiful, beautiful stuff, right? And, um, yeah, I, th- I thought Chris gave them great energy. You know, your usual putback, stuff like that. A couple of steals as well. Only one real boneheaded play was when he actually stole a pass from James Harden uh, around half court and then caught the ball with sort of both feet straddling the line, which is perfectly fine. At that point, you can pass to the front court or the back court. There's no problem. Chris put both feet instinctively ahead of the line and then passed to Chris Bush, or to uh, Pascal Siakam was trailing on the play. I mean, to be honest, I just think that he had... Um, he had a he had more time than he thought because even if James Harden came over to pressure him, uh, you know Chris could have withstood that pressure and threw a better pass than than Pascal, who was obviously uh, still changing into the floor because it was a live ball turnover in transition. So, but ultimately, like, what am I going to say? I thought Chris really played awesome. Um, you know, it, it's been a while since we've seen like a really really strong game from him. Like, there's been games where he's been productive and getting on the glass, but at the same time, you did feel like there were mistakes being made. I thought he rotated well today, made all the the right decisions, um, and yeah, I, I just, it's a good reminder, and honestly, it happens a lot for Chris in Philly. Like, Philly seems to be that game that really gets Chris in the right mindset to to really lock in, and hopefully this, this starts a, a nice stretch here for him, because look, with Chris's game, too, like, there's nothing about him that is actually context dependent right this it's it's all really about his energy and picking the right plays because he's really there as a guy who recycles possessions by getting tip-ins by getting tap outs he's a guy who is you know able to cut off of uh, other you know other players when they're getting doubled and find open gaps and try to score that way he's getting out in transition and making plays that way we, we saw the two uh, assists there um he's obviously you know it's defensively like he, he can be really really disruptive right and especially in games where you have to rotate a ton and you need to close a lot of ground Chris has always been really good in those kind of schemes um so yeah hopefully there's going to be more of this because I, I think there has been like a let off in his game in about the last week or so during this losing streak you just need him to be huge he's your best bench player and I thought he played like that tonight I thought Thad did decently as well. At one point, I mean, the fourth quarter, he took uh, Joel Embiid to the rack off the dribble. Classic play where the Raptors inbound to the high elbow, fake the dribble handoff, and then the guy keeps it instead and goes all the way to the basket. They used to run that play for JV a lot. Shout out to that uh, that, that game. The, 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 the dunk that forced OT. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I thought Thad played decently as well. Um the only thing is, if you overplay Thad defensively, you know, teams will eventually get to him. Harden was trying to get to him, and Bede was trying to get to him. So I think Nick might have left that in just a little bit too long and, and thought to brought Scotty in back in a little bit too late because Scotty didn't come back into the game until the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter. To be fair, Thad was doing well for you. Chris was doing well for you. That whole group, of, of that grouping of those two with Pascal, OG, and Fred were doing really well for you. So I understand that you didn't necessarily want to disrupt that but at the same time Thad did ultimately concede a couple of fouls there and uh you know whatever I mean I don't anything that cost him the game I thought Thad played decently um and then yeah Wancho made a couple of great cuts you know I, I think Scotty's you know, done a really good job of sort of replicating a lot of what uh of what um 
you know, Thad has done well, right? He's seen that Thad can really feed him and, and Wancho's a really willing cutter. And so Scotty's able to find him. But to be honest, I just want to see more consistency from those guys. Like Scotty and Fred, like, can you guys be consistent? Because we've seen great games from them, right? We've seen like, you know, the, you know, the Brooklyn game, um, the Sacramento game, those guys combining for like 60 plus points, you know, that was great. But can you guys do that while Pascal is, is having his moment and and you know if not why not right because to be honest when i'm watching it there's nothing that uh pascal is doing that that's necessarily taking away from these guys if you want to say pascal's taking a lot of shots while well, he's creating the most advantages that's where the offense is going to flow but there are going to be then chances for these guys to pick up and for scotty those are cuts to the basket rolls to the basket we saw the one basket the raptors made in overtime was exactly that pascal finds scotty scotty rolls finishes a uh, a push shot over and beads contest which is really impressive right he can do that on a more consistent basis find the gaps get yourself involved look for the ball demand the ball cut to the right places don't cut off obviously the the, the driving space but you know make the cuts and i'm sure pascal will be making the passes and then with fred there's nothing left to say. You just got to make the threes. Like, I'm sorry. It, there's, there's a reason why fans are really getting upset and really getting on his case as much. He's got to knock down these threes. You know, I'm sure after the game, you'll hear quotes and be like, you know what? It's on me. I got to make these shots. Like, people just got to see them drop. This was a very winnable game. There were open threes in, in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, in overtime, where Fred really had great mint chances, and he just couldn't knock those down. And I didn't even mind a shot selection, you know? Like, I, I thought the only issue was, was, like, he started dribbling into crowds in the first quarter, which was strange, because you don't usually see him turn the ball over, and he only had two in 40 minutes, so it's not like it was a huge issue, but still, like, offensively, he wasn't that effective in anything else, so you just need him to knock down those shots, and for him not to do that, it's it's going to hurt you. So, you know what? The end result is the same. They lose again. It's another close game that they've lost. They've lost quite a few close games here, um, but again, like I said at the top, you know, I, I'm trying to focus more on the positives because I think to me like it's the negatives are almost a little bit talked out like we can literally pick at everything um but my focus right now is how do they get out of this losing streak and I think the biggest thing is if they take this kind of defensive intensity and this hunger that they played with into the next game against New York they'll win it even though New York's won seven straight against a lot of inferior opponents they can win it if they play this hard they can compete with anybody if they played this hard but you just need to see that on a consistent basis. And of course you need to see that while Fred knocks down his threes, while Scotty's involved in the game. Um, but still there's, I mean, look, listen, even as an entertainment product, I was very entertained. Like watching Pascal do that, do what he did tonight. That was worth the price of a mission. It's just too bad that, uh, they couldn't get the win, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for silver linings at this point. So your three stars, Pascal, obviously your first star. I mean, it's not even close. 38 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal. Season high, 38 points. Season high, 15 rebounds. I mean, yeah, he loves seeing P.J. Tucker, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, your, your second star, I'm going to give that to Chris Boucher. 13 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Loved it. Super efficient. You know, played around the, the, the gaps, played around the margins, you know, um, yeah, really good effort from Chris uh, and hope to see this on a very, very consistent basis because we know what he can do. And then your third star, I mean, I'll give it to OG. Um, not that OG was excellent throughout the game. In fact, he was a minus 25 in 39 minutes. Uh, and I think some of that was the fact that he wasn't able to lead that second uh, quarter unit, which really bled a, I don't know, I felt like they, they, they the Sixers immediately went on like a 13-0 run or something. Um, but 
I, I liked what OG did um, down the stretch there. The Sixers were trying to attack in the Embiid six uh, hard and pick and roll, and they did so in two ways. One was that they tried to bring in Fred's man because you because the assignments were Scotty was on, uh, Scotty was on Embiid and Hard OG was on Harden, right? And the whole goal was that they wanted to introduce Fred into that mix, um, and then have Fred then be a mismatch against both Harden and Embiid. Um, so what they would do is they would bring in Fred's man, which was Melton. They bring in Melton into the action and then they would try to set that first ball screen for Harden so that Fred switched on to him. Now, one time that did happen and the Sixers actually scored right off of that. But the next time down, the Raptors really made a great emphasis for Scotty to fight over that screen from Melton, who's not a very good screener because you know, he's a guard, right? So, and he's kind of skinny. So, you know, um, Barnes was able to escape those and whenever he was able to escape those and keep the matchups as is right. Scotty, um, on Harden, OG on Embiid, you know, that's where the defense was set because whether that was OG switching on to Harden and, 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 you know, forcing misses out of Harden or the Raptors just, you know, or the Sixers just keeping the matchups as is and throwing the ball to Embiid against OG, OG was forcing a ton of stops there. And that was actually one of the main reasons why the Raptors even to be able to go to overtime in the first place. So I'll give OG his credit, but, uh, yeah, not enough help for Pascal tonight, but, you know, you have another chance uh, starting on Wednesday. So I actually think there's a lot of positives to build off of this one. Um, it's hard, probably hard for them to choose to see it that way, but that's kind of how they got to see it, right? You're, you're only going to, the only there's no help coming right now. The front office is not going to pick up the phone tomorrow, make the trade tomorrow, and the player's going to come down. It's going to magically change everything tomorrow. The guys who are going to snap this losing streak are the guys in the room right now. So they have to come together. They have to continue to think positively and not even think positively. Like, I'm not saying blind pos- or optimism. I'm saying that there were good things that happened tonight that I hope that the Raptors can take forward to the next game that they could really use. So, it is what it is. Oh, you're Gerald Henderson Award winner. I mean, it's Tobias Harris again. I mean, we see this happen a few times against the Raptors, right? Tobias Harris, 24 points, super efficient, waiting in the corners, knocking down big shots. We saw him do that twice in overtime. One of those was erased uh, upon review. Nick Nurse with a four-point swing in the review very very good job by Nick Nurse to save his challenge until the until overtime I'll give him credit on that but yeah anyway Tobias Harris had a good night whatever so uh that does it for the podcast thanks everyone for listening continue to rate review subscribe do not let the listenership for this show drop just because the Raptors are losing we're going to continue to make great content um you know back on the show tomorrow uh, for Blake Murphy Tuesday, and yeah, you know, we're gonna try to get the, through this thing. Like, no one's quitting on the team, no one's, uh, you know, look, we could feel a little sad, but ultimately, the goal is still the same win the next game. 